Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to have you here. And not only did we just uh, refresh our app with a whole bunch of new features, we just launched a brand new website. So if you haven't been there this week, just went out on Thursday, definitely want to check it out. It's got a lot more interactive video. It just ties those two elements together. We want to make sure you have access to not only great content, but as we give you updates as to what's taking place, it's just the place to check us out. Now today, we're studying a brand new series called This Is Us, Not The Raptors, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> but uh, we do understand maybe the Raptors uh, won last night, so I'm going to explain what's going on over here, and we'll jump into that in just a real quick moment. As we look at our celebration of where we're going as a church community, we're celebrating 50 years on June 8 and 9. That's going to be our official anniversary weekend, where we talk about the faithfulness of God to our church family. And we got talking about how do you look back and understand legacy and celebrate family moments together. And we thought it would be a great idea if we actually brought people from our church family up onto the stage with us. So two things are happening today. Laura's back with me. She's the better part of the tag team ministry. And back by popular demand, you're the ones that wanted this to happen. So here, here we go. Laura's with me today. And in case you don't know Laura, this is Laura right here. And we are so thrilled to have David and Kavitha George with us. So give a hand to them for being willing to be up here. Because it's much easier to be there, you know, looking at us than it is to be up here sometimes looking out at you. And uh, I think you guys want us to do a little woohoo to the Raptors today. So how many of you are happy about the Raptor win? (laughs) Now, just to be fair, a little woohoo for Jesus. Yeah. That was kind of on par, wasn't it? I didn't hear this side. Well a little woohoo for Jesus over there. There we go. All right. So the reason we're doing this, you know, when we get together, one of the things we don't want to be as a church is that we're simply an event. You came, you listened, you saw, you left. We're a family. But often in the size of the church that we are, you don't get a chance to hear each other's story. So sometimes you'll grab a coffee and we encourage you to do this and you'll huddle up and cluster together and you know each other's stories, you get into growth groups together. But I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could get into the room on a Sunday morning and while we're looking back on our history, we actually meet some of the families that are part of our church community and you have a chance to get to know them. And the good news is, as you get to know David and Kavitha, then they can invite you out for lunch today. How's that sound? Yes. That's kind of a cool idea. You can eat. You can eat. Your guys are good for this. So we got a couple of questions for you, and we do really appreciate you guys uh, joining us here. So, Laura, let's just talk a little bit about this couple and Portico. So how long have you been attending Portico, and what was it that drew you to this church family? Um, So we started coming here, I think, August of 2006. I, um, I was born and raised in Montreal, and we were getting married October 2006. 
who started coming here, and our in-laws started coming here before that, so whenever I visited Toronto, I would come here quite often. Mm -hmm. um, worship was a big thing, music, we're both big fans of music, and um, Marissa and Phil Odd were here okay. at the oh, time, yeah. and uh, we really enjoyed that as well. Very good. So David, was it 2006 for both of you, or were you a little bit earlier, or...? kind of feel like Kawhi and Kyle Lowry up here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think my, my, uh, my parents and my sister came a little bit earlier than us. Um, so we used to attend a, a Pentecostal Indian church. And then uh, my wife's side is Orthodox Christian, and she's like, there's no way we're going to Indian church uh, when we moved here. So we started coming to an English service. But I think my first time here was the... Um, the watch night service in 1999 when it was still MGT. I remember oh, sitting yeah. at the back with my dad, uh, but that was our first time here. Oh, cool. So a watch night service, that's New Year's Eve. Yeah. For those of you that are newer to the journey, that's New Year's Eve. We get together, have a prayer service, celebration service, pray in the new year. Mm -hmm. Wow, 1999. That, mm -hmm. that's incredible. So quick question. Now, you have a couple of kids. That, mm -hmm. That's been part of the journey here, right? Mm -hmm. So what are their names? Um, we have a four-year-old, Josiah, and a five-year-old, Micaiah. And they're just the most calm, sedate, easygoing kids you've ever had, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And they're in the nursery today. Yes, they are. All right, let's... let's We're sorry, children's ministry. <laughs> we love you guys. I was going to say, let's stop and pray for the nursery workers. Your kids are great. They're absolutely wonderful. So when you first came, uh, describe the church. What was it like? Because you were coming into a brand new experience, you had your own backgrounds that you walked in, and sometimes we forget when we become part of the family, and I'm sure like even now, we've been together for about 13 years. So what was it like? What were your memories when you first came here? Um, so when we first came here, the building was completely different. Mm -hmm. uh, there was only two services. I remember there were flags all oh, over right. the, 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 the church, and... Um, Memories, one hope was always a great memory. Uh, with my background of teaching, we both did children's ministries for a bit, and that was uh, really good for us. Um, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do our own children's ministry Monday to Friday. <laughs> uh, there was once a toy drive, and we helped out with that. We That's volunteered right. for that as well. Good, good. So if you had one word to describe Portico, what would it be? David? Um, man. Or maybe I'd say two love. words. <laughs> love. Yeah. Um, the opening worship songs sang, they, uh, they were talking about, you know, bring your shame, bring your failure, and um, a church with no walls, and just finding grace. And that was a perfect song That's to explain good. our journey. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you? What would you, if you, would that be the same word or? Um, love and family. Like, we... When we came here, we didn't know anybody. We sat in the back in the middle, and we didn't know a soul. And then I think it was around 2008, we got to know Pastor Jeff, and we got to know you guys, and we joined a small group, and things just changed, and it was like a different type of family. It was great. So becoming a part of a smaller group was actually the key, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We really got to know different people, different ethnicities. It was, uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. It was good for us. So shout out to family. Uh, shout out to um, the Feuder family. The Martins, the Fredericks, um, the Chans. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know a lot of people at the church because we come to the 1010 service and we kind of sit over there in the corner. But, um, yeah, some amazing people at Portico, mm -hmm. just yeah. good people. So that's one of the reasons that we appreciate you being willing to do this because the connection at a smaller level is actually what creates that faith legacy and that connection mm -hmm. to a church community. 
And I, I watched that shift for you guys from attending to being central and being a part of it. So if you, uh, if you were to think about it this way, what would you pray that God would do in and through your lives and even in and through our church in the years to come? Yeah, um, there was a, another song that was sang earlier, and it talked about um, you know, taking our stones. And uh, if I could leave you with a story, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, um, Samuel you know, was going up, up against a great army, the Philistines, and he didn't know what to do, and he asked God for support. And when God gave him the victory, like God will give all of you guys the victory, gave us the victory, and he continues to, um, Samuel took a bunch of stones and he created an altar and he called it an Ebenezer. And in the Bible it says, hitherto the Lord hath helped us. So that's my prayer is that the Lord will help you guys the way that he helped us. It's beautiful. Kavitha, anything from your side? Any thoughts? Um, just as much as this church has helped us, we wanted to also help our kids and our family. And we want to grow with it as well. That's amazing. Would you put your hands together and thank, thank David and Kavitha? They, uh, they would appreciate your prayers, not only for them, but for the Raptors, because, you know, that's this, we are now in new territory, and we understand that. What we want to share with you is this is a sort of a dynamic live opportunity to meet the family. We want to go back into history a bit, because for many of us in the 10, 10, 1140 service, we may not know the background to MGT, which is now Portico. And we just released a video this week that I hope you get a chance. So please check out the landing page, go to the website, see the videos that we're putting up there. And we have uh, e-books, we have PDFs of our history that are now printed. You can read them online and follow along with us. This is going to take you to the 1980s and a little bit of a reflection. There's a few stories in here that will be family-only stories. Is that okay? <laughs> so when you hear it, you're going to understand why. It's just something we'll share inside of the room. Watch the screens. Fred Fulford and George Grosshands were the pastors leading the church at the time. And uh, we thought, these guys are really dynamic and really with it. I could listen to these guys all day. Fred was uh, very thoughtful, uh, very personable. Pastor Fred, he kept me grounded. It was a mixture of people. But just, I guess the painting outside was white, so that's why they call it the white church. If your child was crying in the nursery, you could hear them <laughs> in the service. <laughs> go, oh, that's the picture of my child. We didn't have any storage there. In fact, the facility did not have what we needed as a facility. We realized that uh, the church was not able to accommodate the congregation, and they decided to purchase land and build. Well, we had been looking at many different sites. Then one Sunday, uh, Pastor Fred uh, changed pulpits. And while he was there, uh, Fred met a real estate agent who, who had this, uh, this particular site and were looking at, uh, at selling it, but it hadn't come up on the market or anything. That week, we came over here as a board. I was on the board at the time. We came over here and looked at the facility and liked what we saw and, uh, and, uh, and ended up buying the facility found myself with uh, a few months where I had time available, so I was able to dedicate that to the, the planning of this facility. And it was actually designed almost to a nuclear facility. 
There's, there's a story about there was a lot of old trees, probably about where the platform is now, and uh, they somehow disappeared. We found out as we were getting started that uh, the Conservation Authority did not want us to cut down the trees, and so I met with uh, Lou Wall, was the, uh, the owner of the construction company that we were working with. And Lou said, Hugo, you've got a problem. And I said, Lou, you've got a problem. <laughs> Deal with it. And uh, I needed to go out of town for, uh, for about a week and came back and the trees were gone. Yeah, Hazel McCallion was the mayor of, of Mississauga. Hazel McCallion was very upset about that, uh, but uh, uh, Pastor Fred uh, says he knew nothing about it. We did not want Fred to be involved, so she called Fred and about that, and he said, you know, I had nothing to do with it. It just sort of happened, and we're sorry about that. The focus of our program today has been on the problems that young people are experiencing in our modern worlds. Ken Birch uh, was more of the, the teacher type. Really a man at his word. Uh, the hairdos were big. The dresses were very flowery, like lots of flowers, lots of ruffles, and big in every sense of the word. You kind of dressed in your Sunday best. I remember I arrived for a Sunday evening service. I came in from a business trip and I thought I'll just come from the airport as I am. And I almost felt like I had to run a gauntlet of the people who were wondering why I was dressed like I was. It was pretty much hymns back then. And they had a choir that sang every single week. We had an orchestra and a lot of people were in the orchestra with stringed instruments and um, trumpets. We had one service on Sunday morning and that was probably about 800 people I would think. And uh, there was a lot of kids. It was very much of a family church. So we, yeah, give a big hand to the people that have helped us. We want to say thank you to everybody that we've interviewed. You've helped send pictures and profile pieces. You've told us stories. We're trying to capture that. And our whole theme, This Is Us, in fact, in the room today, you'll see a lot of people wearing black shirts with a 50th anniversary logo, a This Is Us banner on it. They're part of either our staff, our elders, or our planning team. And when you see them with the shirts, you can ask them any question about the anniversary, and they will answer that for you. And so as you're making your way through the church, we want to make sure that over the next couple of weeks, as we talk about who God has been to us and God's faithfulness, you got questions. Those are the individuals that can help answer how the activities are going to roll out, where you need to be, what you can participate in. And thank you to each of you that are wearing the shirts today. We really do appreciate your help making this so, so successful for us. This morning, I want you to get your Bibles out, get your notes out, and uh, you can do this on your apps as well. As we've been looking at the history of our church, one of the things that became very, very pertinent to me is over 50 years, I began to see a thread that was powerful for the legacy of who we are, that we celebrate in this year, but if you look from 2019 and you reach back into 1969... I recognize there are principles that have underscored this church through its entire history. And so Laura and I want to just touch on some of these issues today and these principles for this reason. 
we're going to celebrate God's faithfulness to us as a church. But building a legacy of faith is not just what we do as a church together. It's what we do as individuals in our lives, so personally and as families. So we have principles that we want to share with you today, and we're going to talk about the church and give some reflection around that. But I also want you to think about your personal life, because as we celebrate God's faithfulness to Portico, we want you to have that same ability to celebrate God's faithfulness in your life, in your marriage, in your small group, in your children, because God will do that. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, he says, So my brothers and sisters... Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. At the end of this letter, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes back to these believers and he challenges them. He's shared a lot of biblical teaching. He's laid out a lot of uh, life principles to live by. But he sums it up and in this little summary statement, there's like these four foundational elements that are essential to building a legacy of faith. And so I want to leave them with you today. And here's the first one. Write this down. I think what Paul's telling the believers is to be strong and stand firm. We see it in the language that he uses. Paul recognized that it's challenging for new believers to not only embrace a a new life of faith, but to stay committed to that faith is essential to build a legacy. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he warned them. He said, I want you to be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. He recognized, like we all do, that we will go through trials and challenges and difficulties in our lives. Anybody had any of those? Oh, yeah. And Paul realized that often what happens is our faith will take a hit if we haven't established ourselves. And those of you that have been faithfully following Jesus for years, you understand something. When you apply this principle of being strong, standing firm, That's what it takes to build a legacy. The writer of Hebrews, he said, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted with us. God can always be trusted. And if I can give you two words to write in your notes, just write this down, tenacious courage. Legacies are built through tenacious courage. That's what we see in our church community. It was uh, Paul and Josephine McEnroy back in 1968. They were invited by the Western Ontario District of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Would you come and plant a brand new church in what was to become Mississauga? It wasn't at the time. So there were no churches in the region. There was a few churches east of us, but there was no church in the region. And they asked this young couple to come in. And would they be willing to start from nothing? Just think about this. Start from nothing and start a church. And so they went knocking on doors. And as they walked through the different, and this was down in the Clarkson area, down towards the lakeshore, and as they knocked on doors, what they discovered is there was around 58 families who were either part of Pentecostal churches or they're believers in Christ, and they invited them. And some of those people were already committed to other churches, but some of them said, we really believe in the mission of helping people find their way back to God. And so this small nucleus of people came together And they began to pray about starting a church. And if you've ever been a part of something like that, that takes a lot of tenacious courage. Mm -hmm. We know this story personally. We had the opportunity in our first year of marriage. Doug was still in Bible school, but uh, we had a friend who wanted to, together the two of them, plant a church in a community just south of Edmonton. And um, it 
took a lot of courage, and I, I got to tell you, I was not the one who was courageous about it. I was a little bit more um, apprehensive, um, not because of I didn't believe that those people didn't need Jesus, but because I didn't want to leave my church. It was more for selfish reasons. Um, we had we would have to start right from scratch. There was nobody there that we knew. There we weren't even sure who would be coming with us. We had I think there was eight of us the first Sunday. Um, there was. A, a girl who played the piano and when she didn't come we had the a friend of ours who uh, volunteered himself and stepped out of his giftings and was the worship leader uh, who, and he sang a cappella and I got to tell you it wasn't a very um, sweet voice that came out of him <laughs> that was a bit of a challenge but the reason why it was a challenge for me to go was because we were, we were leaving, we'd have to leave a church that I was a big part of. I had been there since I was 16. It was the church where I felt I belonged. It was a place where I was able to have friends and, and I was involved in ministry. Um, we had got, we met each other there. We got married there. It was a big part of my life and to be having to leave that was a challenge. And, and to be honest with you, I I cried like a little girl when we had to say goodbye. It was just, I was just a mess because even though it was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. it was still a hard thing to do. That, that courage that uh, we had to exhibit, and I know I was asking you to do something that this was your church, this was your home and your family, and that, that was risky. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you would show up on Sunday and there was eight people, five of us were leaders. So three were the congregations, welcome to church. <laughs> So those were the beginning days, and we've thought about that, and that's been in the DNA of this church. We have uh, five campuses, if you count our online campus. We invited people from this community to say, would you be willing to leave what we just experienced a few moments ago in worship together? Would you be willing to leave that and help us launch a campus? And we can't tell you how many people are going to be there. We don't know if it's going to be 5, 15, 20, 30, but God honors tenacious courage. And when you do that and you stay strong and you remain just absolutely secure in God, he will establish a legacy of faith. And we've seen that throughout our church. And I want that in your family. I want that in your personal life. And you recognize when Paul writes this to these believers, this isn't just removed by 2,000 years. This is real. This is in time for us today. The second thing I want you to write down today is this. Uh, Another principle I see Paul speaking to the believers in Corinth, don't be shaken, be immovable. See, culture will throw everything at us to help us shift from our faith and our deep uh, convictions in God and our understanding of who God is in our lives. And so he writes to them and he encourages them that when you own your faith and you know who Jesus is, don't let anything move you away from that. Because that becomes the anchor point. That becomes sort of your beacon that you get called back to. In fact, when Paul wrote to the Galatian believers, he wrote these words. He said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and you're turning away to a different gospel. There's so many contrarian voices out there. And Paul was encouraging the believers, stay true to the word of God. So don't be shaken. Be immovable. Anchor yourself on the truth of God's word. It's this phrase, and we'll put it on the screen for you, resolute on your convictions. Know what you believe. Know why you believe. Hold on to your faith because that's how you build legacies. That's one of the things I look back over the history of our church here, and I realize what has made Portico, which has gone through iteration of name changes, but what has made us strong is from the founding congregation all the way up to today, 
there is this absolute adherence that we will not sway on our convictions of what we believe. We know who Jesus is. We know who the Holy Spirit is. We know who the Father is. We understand his work in our life, and we don't give away that territory because he has saved us. We experienced his grace. We're going to hold true to his word. Psalm 125, it says this, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but will endure forever. So let me apply that. When you trust in the Lord, the Word says you will not be shaken. You will stand firm. doesn't mean we won't face challenges and difficulty, and we shared our story. You know that. But it means if we understand and we hold to our convictions, we are going to endure. And that's how you build legacies together. And that's always been the story of courage that has marked this church And you look back over the history and you look at how the people have been faithful. They were diligent. They demonstrated resiliency. And I love the fact that as I go through the history documents of this church, that we know that no matter what the challenge is, God is going to be faithful and God will uphold people who are committed to him. even as leaders, yeah. you know, yeah. we, uh, we had in our early years. Yeah, we, we've, we've had our challenges as leaders. And, and uh, there was a time when early in our ministry when um, every time that there was a board, member, uh, me- board meeting, uh, we were wondering whether or not Doug still had a job because we had people on the board who felt that Doug wasn't necessary. And um, so it was, it was a bit of a challenge. And Nobody, so, that wasn't here, by the way. Yeah, I just, no. you know. <laughs> And it was, it was a challenge. Every, every month we were like, okay, there's a board meeting. Oh, what does this mean? But even though those situations were going on around us, we knew that we were where we were supposed to be. Yeah. We knew that God had called us to that church. And if that meant that he worked for free and whatever, we, you know, God would supply. And we were just, we were resolute in our conviction that yeah. that's where we were supposed to be. And, and uh, God was faithful. And then a little while later on, they realized how, how useful he was and how much he, he really <laughs> does, did contribute to the church. And, and um, all, all was well. So that was good. But it, but it was interesting as we went through that era, that, that was challenging yeah. because they were looking at, the board was looking, it's not all the board, some of the board was looking at it through the financial bottom line. And the church had made a faith decision that we are going to add a staff member because we believe God will bless us and we'll grow. And when you take faith steps and you're establishing legacy, there's risk. There's always risk involved. And I remember for that period, you know, come home and you'd ask me, so do we still have a job? Are we still here? We're safe for one more month. I said, yeah, we're good for another month. There'll be another board meeting next month. But we never lived underneath that cloud. We went, that's their decision. We're going to live the way God has called us to. We believe God's called us to this community. We started to see the church grow and blossom and really the fruit of that. And that's been true in the church here, that when you take faith steps, you know, change is inevitable, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be terminal. Change will happen, but change is where God can lead us into greater things. And and I look and I see how we're going to celebrate this in a few weeks. And in your life, you will go through seasons where God's going to call you just, just to be firm, to be immovable, hold on, hold that conviction in your heart and understand who you are and who Christ has called you to be. Something else uh, we see here when Paul writes to the Corinthians, write this down, number three, to give, yourself fully, um, give yourselves fully and work enthusiastically when it comes to what God has called you to do. And he, he writes this into these believers who are facing, facing an incredibly difficult culture, So it wasn't popular to be a part of a Christian movement, to be a part of a Christian church. And yet Paul would say to them, I I just want you to give yourselves to this. And 
own this because God is going to perfect the work that he is doing in and through you. He is always faithful to do that. And that was true for here. When I started to go through the history documents of the church, one of the things that I discovered is over and over and over, this church started in a home, then it started in a school, then it went to a hall, then it went to a school, then it went to another school, then it went to a building, went back to a school, went to, apparently there used to be trees here, this became a building, and you know, there's all kinds of fun history, but all the way through it was a group of people who realized They're not coming just to participate in a moment. They're coming to build something that has eternal value. And they worked and gave and sacrificed. So people gave their time. They showed up, even during our construction phase here, they would show up and they would clean and they would sweep. Sweep And that's been part of it. And that's that's been the... um, such a privilege to be a part of a church who are such a community that everything that we are about, it's about doing it for everybody else and um, we're serving together and that's really so key and that's, that's what makes Portico who, who we are. Um, we love to serve and we love to serve each other and we love to serve our community and, and serve the Lord and, and God, God sees that and he's blessing and so we're really grateful for that. And I appreciate it when uh, David and Kavitha in their testimony this morning, we asked them, you know, if you had to describe the church and they used, you know, words like love and connection and community, that doesn't happen because people just come. That happens because somebody greeted them at the door, that somebody made them feel comfortable when they sat next to them in the chair. Mm -hmm. This is a good moment to turn to your neighbor and say, hi, welcome. (laughs) Introduce yourself. It happens because we believe that we are family and that we're here by God's providence, and that we're here to fulfill God's call upon us, and that we're building something that has a legacy that is worth celebrating. And I look at this church, and it's just this whole sense of passionate determination. That's what it is. It's passionate determination. We're going to help people find their way back to God, and we're going to do whatever we need to do to make that happen. And I am so grateful. I I love the fact that people that are wearing the black This Is Us t-shirts, they exude this characteristic They give themselves wholly. They work enthusiastically because they believe not in a project. Mm -hmm. They believe in the transformational power of God. And we are living testimonies. Our lives are living testimonies. Colossians chapter 3 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for your human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Mm -hmm. Now, when we were... When we actually, when we first met, before we were, we weren't even dating. No. Uh, the church that we attended actually embodied this very. They thing. did, and they were they were very much a, a small a community of a gr- small group of people that they believed that they needed to impact a, commu- uh, a community, and so they set up a little church. But they didn't have a building. Um, they met in a school for Sunday mornings, and then they rented a different denominational church for the evenings. And then Wednesday, or Friday nights, we were somewhere else at a different a hall and sometimes in people's homes. It was at a time when um, we just felt that it was necessary for us to be together as a community. And we've, we've been telling or we've been hearing that the church is not about a building. The church is about the people. And so it didn't matter where we were. We were still the church. And the, the challenges, we had some challenges when we... Um, because we'd have to set up chairs on Sunday morning and we were never sure where anything was. And in the kids' rooms, they had to have containers and bring the hall stuff in and out. And then they'd also have to bring in sound equipment and whatnot. And then in the evenings, on Sunday evenings, we would have totally different setup for church. And Friday nights, we were never sure what was going to happen as far as our youth group. But it was a time when 
we were together and it brought a sense of community. We were working together and we were belonging and we were, we were watching out for each other because we had to communicate. We had to say, we didn't have cell phones then and just text them and say, hey, we're going to meet over at such and such. No, we had to actually call people and talk to them and say, we're going to be, we're going to be moving over here. We're going to be over here. And it was, it was just a time when we had to work together. We had to play together. We prayed together. We enjoyed each other. And it was a time of real community. And that's why it was difficult for me when we had to leave that community. Um, but the pastor that was there was a loving man. He was actually retired, and they, the board approached him and said, would you help us with this, this small plant? Would you help us? And he said, I, I'll do that. And he was just one of those types of people that just loved on people. And because of that, the, the congregation loved on each other. And every Sunday morning, he would preach under a, a basketball net because we were in a gymnasium. And he said, you know, when we're, we're going to build a building, and on the last Sunday that we have to be in this room, I am going to shoot a basket. And, uh, and he did, and he got two points. So we were re- happy for yeah, him. Yeah, I came just when the church was getting ready to talk about the building. They were talking about the building program. We weren't quite there yet. And I remember that. I came in, and Laura and I, we didn't know each other at the time. We would come to know each other there. But I walked into this school gymnasium, and you had to pick up your own chair at the back and carry it in. They had folding chairs. Mm-hmm. So if you're there early enough, you could have the few chairs that were set up. But if you came late, which occasionally happened, you'd have to pick up your chair, carry it in, set up your chair, sit there. And I heard him tell the story, and I watched that happen. And then when church was over, you just didn't scatter. No. Everybody stood up, picked up their chair, and went and put their chair yeah. away before they went home. Does that sound like church? Yeah. <laughs> Don't take these chairs home, though, all right? Just, just to be clear, we're kind of in a good place right now. But all of our lives, we have seen God build churches, families, small groups into legacies that are faith-driven because people gave themselves enthusiastically, knowing they were doing this for God. And that really takes us to this other thought. I want you to write it down. Uh, when Paul speaks to the Corinthians this reminder that everything you do for God is worthwhile and it's never in vain. It, nothing you invest in the kingdom is ever lost. That's right. We sometimes don't feel we see it on this side, but I want us to do something today. We just watched a video from the 1980s mm-hmm. and you listen to the story of people who lived these principles out. And here we are mm-hmm. seated in this room. We have campuses that are meeting right now concurrent with us. And we are thousands of people gathering together on a Sunday morning because a little handful of people got together initially in a farmhouse and prayed and said, God, we believe that if we make this investment, there's a church here. And look where we are, Portico. Look where we are. I think we should honor our history. Yeah. It's this whole idea of a relentless faith. 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, Do all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but I'm seeking the good of many so that many will be saved. When we realize why we do what we do, we're helping people find their way back to God. Because we've experienced God's grace, we want others to know God's grace. And so as we come together on a morning like this, we just wanted to remind all of us, in a few weeks, we're going to have a party. And we're going to celebrate. And I'm happy for the Raptors, but I'm super thrilled for the church. 
because God yeah. is doing something remarkable. I think what Paul wrote to Timothy uh, speaks to us, and it should be a life verse. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, Because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Don't give up. That's right. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't sit and watch, and don't give up. God is faithful. Jesus is building his church. We're a small sample of what God is doing globally. And if you think sitting on the sidelines is sort of your stage in life, as Laura just reminded you, it was a gentleman in retirement that God tapped on the shoulder and said, would you be willing to step back into leadership and shepherd a group of people? And there's another church vibrant and dynamic in the south side of Edmonton because of his commitment to do the same. So I pray for us as a church, and we want to pray for you, that you would have a legacy of faith in your personal life and in your family. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC.